Before we get into the episode, head on over to RighteousFelon.com for all your favorite beef jerky flavors. I'd recommend starting off with the whole shebang craft jerky gift bundle. The jerky is smoky and savory, spicy and sweet. All of your favorites, all in one variety pack. Use promo code OCSN, all lowercase, to get 15% off at checkout. Don't miss this great opportunity. Go to RighteousFelon.com today. All right, everyone, before we get started with the episode and the interview with Arthur Staple from The Athletic, I talked to him on Wednesday. I have to talk about that game last night against the Edmonton Oilers. Wow. What a game. I had a really good feeling about this one, honestly. Even when the Rangers went down 3 nothing, I just had a feeling that they would come back. Um, this winning streak they've been on has been incredible. They've been playing really well, and you know they've, it hasn't been completely pretty, so maybe not really well they, they've been playing. But, um, you know, they, they've found ways to win. It's very similar to last year, but the personnel they have is significantly better. Lafreniere, Hedl, and Kako have taken taken their game up to the next level. I think Lafreniere has about has nine points in the last ten games. He got he got us to within one last night and then he scored the shootout winner. He's playing really well. And then Heedle had so many opportunities to score last night. Couldn't cash it in. And then Kako with a great play to set up Lafreniere on the the goal that made it four three. And um also he scored in the shootout with a beautiful move. He actually kicked us off which was uh, surprising to me. I thought they would start with Zibanejad, but great move by Kako to get the Rangers started in the shootout, uh, not up the score at 1-1 in the shootout after Nugent Hopkins scored. But um, like I said, I had a really good feeling about the, the game. I, I, I tweeted out that, uh, you know, why can't, if the, the Oilers could come back 3-0 on the Rangers, why can't the Rangers do the same thing on Edmonton? You know, hence it the last time the, the Rangers and the Oilers played at the Garden. We all remember that how that one ended. Terrible third period. We didn't even get a point. And, you know, that was like one of the final straws before Trooper threw his helmet and this entire season all turned around. Honestly, I people might disagree with this, but if the Rangers don't have Jacob Trooper, they don't go on this run. Um, the guy's been vital to the Rangers' success. Say what you want about his on-ice play, his defensive impacts. He's a leader, and the Rangers haven't had a captain since Ryan McDonough, and I think Troop is doing a terrific job. And he's my front-runner for the Stephen McDonald Extra Effort Award. I might have to write an article about that, but he, Jacob Troop has done a lot for the team. The, the group seems to rally behind him. They listen to what he has to say. You know, he, he wants, He's a team-first guy. He'll take himself out of a play to set a, a message to his own team. And you could argue whether or not that's you know the right thing to do or not, but he does he's he's doing something out there to make a difference. We haven't had a captain, like I said, since McDonough. And if you want to win the Stanley Cup, you need a captain. You need somebody that's gonna say, I'm the captain. We are going to play this way and everybody follow my lead. You're either on board or you're not with us. So every every member of the Rangers has bought in from the first line to the fourth line. And I know we we talk about the fourth line and their struggles, but last night, um, give credit to Jake LeCision for drawing the penalty that put the Rangers on a five-on-four. But, of course, I have to also give credit to Julian Gauthier for the speed to the outside and the setup pass led to the hooking penalty. I believe it was the hooking penalty on, on LeCision. Um 
I'm going to check it right now. But yeah, he's Lucision has not been the greatest player for the Rangers, but it it, it doesn't matter. It, it was a hooking penalty. It was on Yanmark against Lucision. Rangers need to make an upgrade on the fourth line. If, if Gauthier is doing a lot of the work down there, and you know, Kudrow has been okay, but kind of invisible. Lucision is really not making an impact at all. I think if the Rangers go after Bukestad or Tyler Mott, Tyler Mott would be really nice. You would be looking at a line of like Bukestad, um, Goudreau, and Gauthier. That would be significantly more effective than Lucision, Goudreau, and, and Gauthier. Or Mott, uh, Mott uh, Goudreau, and, and Gauthier. We saw how well Mott worked for the Rangers last year, and uh, they, they seem to love him, but Everyone says that the they just ran out of cap space. If they didn't have Ryan Reeves, then you know maybe they replace Reeves with with Mott. If they didn't sign that extension, um, but yeah, the Rangers still are still have enough space to to make a, a move. I talked to Arthur Staple about it in in the interview. I hope you guys stick around for that. But um, the I don't think the Rangers should be trading for Patrick Kane, even if even if they they could mathematically still do it. You saw what the with the the Leafs, the the Blues, and the Wild did last night with the O'Reilly three-team trade. While it would be cool to have all that firepower, I think there is a thing such, that exists that's called too much awesome. And where would he play? Like he, you, VZ is playing really well right now. It's, he seems to gel with Panarin right now. So I wouldn't touch anything. I would just improve the fourth line. Kid line is doing great. Zabanajad is scoring. Kreider is on a seven-game point streak. You know everything seems to be working out fine. Nico Mikola is playing really is playing well for for the Rangers. He's he's a lot steadier than than Harper was, and you know there was a it's a significant upgrade. And if the Rangers get Shesterkin to be playing close to not exactly like last year's level, then they're going to be a dangerous team. I think they are a solid 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 Stanley Cup contender. But as you'll hear in 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 the interview I had with Arthur, I did raise some concern about who they would be facing in the first round of the playoffs. And as of right now, the Rangers would be facing the Devils, and the Devils would have home ice advantage. The, the Devils have one game in hand. They've played 54 games as of Saturday, and the Rangers have played 55. And the Devils have 75 points to the Rangers' 74. Actually, in the league, the Rangers are tied for fourth with the Maple Leafs, the exact same record. And they have 74 points. They're tied it for fourth. So in the top five in the in the league, all Eastern Conference teams, three of them are from the Metropolitan Division. That is insane. Metropolitan Division is far and away the toughest division in the league, and the Rangers are, are not only pulling their own weight. They are they are playing like like true contenders. They they are one of the elites in that division. They're not just you know some team that's squeaking by. You could argue that maybe that was the case last year, but the feel of this team is is a bit different. I'd say they're they're playing they're playing super well. I, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say they are playing well. No team is perfect. They they're gonna make mistakes. The first period last night certainly wasn't perfect. The Rangers had some opportunities, but they gave up far too many chances. Um, in the second and the third periods, the Rangers did a tremendous job. The second period especially, they they got themselves back in the game. I know they only scored one goal. But it set the momentum, got them going in the right direction for the third period where they scored two and tied it going into overtime. And they played well enough. They, they held off. They staged off the power play, the late power play. And you could argue whether that should have been called or not on Zibanejad. But 
They fought that off. Sturkin played really well in the shootout, only allowed one goal, and Lafreniere was able to come in clutch with the game winner. Um, the Rangers need to keep going with this. Not win every game. Don't get into the mindset that you need to be perfect. You need to win every single game. We do have. We are playing against some Western Conference opponents, but teams like Detroit coming up, that's and Washington. Those are teams that you should win games against, like Calgary, Winnipeg. Yeah, it'd be nice to get two points for there, but like if you get the points against your the teams that are fighting for the playoffs, especially Washington, team that's in your division, you need to get make sure you get those points. Team like Detroit, that is sneak their way into the playoff hunt. They are two points, three points out of the playoff spot with three, four games in hand on the Islanders. Um, yeah, so Detroit is making a push. You need to have a statement game in that one. That one's coming next week. But the the Rangers are, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. They're playing well. Make a trade for Tyler Mott or a fourth liner and get all four lines rolling. Because right now, three out of four lines is really good. But what's great, what what could be great, what could make the team even better is to have rolling all uh, to roll all the four all four lines. You know, Gerard Glant likes to likes to roll out his line combinations in the very beginning. It would be very nice if he could do that for an entire game. He doesn't really he doesn't tend to do that with the fourth line when it comes to the late stages of the second period and most of the third period. They'll hover around seven eight minutes a night. You can't have that. You want to keep your players fresh. If you could give the fourth line around 10, 10, 11 minutes a night, that'd be good. And the even strength scoring, I think the Rangers have done fine. And if they haven't cashed in, they've drawn penalties on their on their great shifts. That's something I've also noticed. And so don't discount that. Don't say, okay, they may not have an even strength goal in a long time, but the, look at the shifts that they're spending. Look at all the time they're spending in the offensive zone. All these long drawn out shifts and cycling below the goal line making the players on the other team tired. They could barely skate. Look at all that. They, the Rangers were shooting on the goaltenders, too. Uh, they had a lot of shots last night, and that's what you want to see. They had 38 shots on goal, and the Oilers only had 29. So they're doing something right in the offensive zone. They need to keep that going. Um, this is not the same team as last year where you could put a stopwatch and it'd be like a five-second offensive zone shift, and you need to rely on your power play to score your goals. There were times this year that the power play has struggled. Now it's starting to click. That five on three was huge. The Banajag came in clutch. That was, I believe, that was his 17th power play goal this season. Not sure if that's correct or not. I, I haven't, I didn't check, but um, he definitely has over 15 power play goals this season. He's killing it. Um, and then a big reason why the power play wasn't successful, of course, is because Kreider does not is not touching anywhere near 50 goals this year. But he had a big one to start the scoring for the Rangers last night on the tip for on the first power play for the Rangers in the first period. Rangers need to keep going with that. Solidify their even strength scoring, solidify their fourth line and you know the defense, just keep doing what you're doing. Don't make too many mistakes. I know Joe Micheletti and Mike Rupp were talking we're talking we're analyzing saying that the Rangers were giving up too many opportunities, maybe letting the the rebound chances in the first period, letting the Oilers have too many of those. So that's an area that they could work on. I wouldn't juggle the lines if I'm Gerard Glant. That's just my opinion. I'm not the coach. I'm just the fan. Uh, but everything seems to be working. Ever since that shift to put Panarin with Trocek and VZ on, uh, on last Saturday against the Hurricanes, it's been working. Panarin's, Panarin is killing it. Six goals in three games, which is, which is nuts. He had a, I think he had a point. He had, a couple, he had to have a couple points last night. He had, he had two points last night. So 
You know, Panarin is stepping it up. Like I said, the kid line is doing really well. And what have I always said? If you're a fan of this podcast, you always hear me say the rebuild is not done until the Rangers kids, the youth, pulls their own weight and starts scoring. We might be nearing that. The kids are pulling their own weight right now. Kako, Hedo, and Lafreniere, you might want to buy into them. They are not bust. They're playing super well right now. If they could continue their scoring, their tremendous play together, then this is a dangerous team and every other team in the NHL, especially in the Eastern Conference and the Metropolitan Division, should be on watch. The only thing I'm concerned about is the Devils. If they get Timo Meyer, it's going to be an uphill battle. It's it, it's going to be it's going to be even actually. Sorry, it's 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 a tough one because they're just as young as the the Rangers. Uh, they could skate. They they are since they're young they could make mistakes so that's something they could take advantage of and Gerard Glant does like to employ that system of you know chipping the pucks in past the defenders trying to get them to make mistakes and the Rangers have shown both this year and last that they are good at creating turnovers and this year their five on five play in the offensive zone has been a significant improvement to that of last year so it'll be it would be a good series I'm ex- I'm fully expecting it to be Devils Rangers first round I don't know who's going to get home ice but Devils Rangers first round is, you know, I feel a certain way about that. I don't think it should be like that. I, I, it has me scared because these are two of the top five best teams in the league right now, and to have them play each other and one of them goes home after a seven game series, is is annoying. Um, but you know, hopefully the Rangers could possibly come out on the other end of that. But anyways, we're gonna get into the interview with Arthur Staple. Uh, hope you guys enjoy. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Cold Takes podcast. I'm your host, Joey DiMeglio, and the Rangers continue to roll as they have now won 20 of their last 27 games heading into their Western Canadian road trip. Joining me today is Arthur Staple, who covers the Rangers for The Athletic. Thanks for joining me, Arthur. How are you? I'm good, Joey. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, so I know we talked a little bit before the we started recording, but uh, the flight over to, to Vancouver, <laughs> I mean, it's a long one. You had the, the delay, so... Uh, I'm I'm assuming everything went okay with with all that. <laughs> I'm here. Travel delays are part of the deal when you yeah. when you travel around to cover the team. So uh, it happens. You get frustrated. You move on. And uh, I feel better now. And I've got uh, got a game today. So that's uh, that's the thing to get geared up for. Right. So you got in yesterday, right? So you weren't yeah. able. Were you able to see the Rangers practice? I was there yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, there's been like the the reports. I I think uh, Colin. I saw Colin tweet a picture of uh, of Kravtsov being the first one out on on the ice. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, he's he's still here. That's for sure. Yeah, but he's not wearing the the uh, like a regular jersey, right? He's wearing the non-contact. Is that is that what it is? The no, non-contact he's, jersey. He's part of the team. He's just skating as an extra on the fourth line. So there's no injury issues. There's no. 
they haven't dismissed him or anything. I think it's just, uh, you know, he wants some place where he's going to get to play. And I, I think, you know, he, the Rangers feel like they gave him an opportunity for, you know, 28 games or so this year and mm-hmm. just haven't seen enough to guarantee his spot in the lineup. And he's not really uh, a fourth line player who can, who can do well playing seven or eight minutes. He's not that physical. So just uh, it seems like the fit between the player and the team is not where it should be, uh, even after all of the ups and downs of their relationship with him since they drafted him. So uh, it seems like if there's a trade to be made, they're probably going to make it before March 3rd. But uh, if not, he might just be stuck here in that same spot for a while. Yeah, it's been, it's been a rough journey for for Kravtsov and uh, the Rangers front office. It's been, the discourse on, on social media has, you know, it's been going on for a while, people pointing fingers at, at both sides. Um, I think I think it's warranted uh, for my eyes. Like I, I wanted to, I wanted to see Kravtsov succeed because he was kind of one of those uh, first pieces that the Rangers got when they, you know, were drafting. Um, you go back to the letter five years ago, and um, he was their first of those three first round picks they had in in 2018. He was the first one at, at ninth overall. Um, so it's been it's been difficult for him. But um, I want to ask you so the. Do you think the Rangers made a mistake by using like that tough love approach? I know you, Gallant always refers to the he's not a fourth liner type player with Kravtsov, but the tough love approach is that is that like a mistake on the Rangers part, or do you think they were right for doing that? You know, I, it's hard to say. The relationship was pretty was pretty difficult. I think from the beginning, you know, uh, when Chris Drury was the assistant general manager, I think there was. A couple of incidents when Kravtsov was in Hartford or when he'd asked out. Um, so I think it would have been a tough sell with Drury being the GM to make a long-term uh, relationship between the two sides work. Uh, it would have been predicated on Kravtsov, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, really dedicating himself, which he did his part after he signed his, you know, his one-year essentially qualifying offer. Uh, he came over early in the summer. He was working out at the Rangers practice facility. Um, and I think by all accounts, uh, he's a great young man. Like he, he's very easy to get along with. Um, I don't think there's any issues right now between the front office and the coaching staff and him. He's not, he's not a stubborn kid. He's not, he's not someone who gets in people's faces. I just, I, I think they expected to see a little bit more from him now at age 23. After all, he's, you know, being in playing in the KHL for a bit, playing in Hartford for a bit, playing with the Rangers for a bit. I think they expected to see a player that was a little bit further along physically a little bit further along in the in the style of play that he could play as you know in North America as a ranger um you know and I think you saw it he was trying earlier in the year when he got his shot the problem was he he would put himself in in a couple situations where he got hurt a couple you know a concussion cost him a week or 10 days he got another bad hit in one game that cost him a little bit of time um and so I think the realization came pretty quickly for everyone here that he physically might not have been up to the the, the NHL standards of, you know, you want to be a skilled player. You still have to be able to fight guys off and be able to dig in the corners and do some of those things. And I think he wanted to do them. He just wasn't really physically ready to do it. Um, and that kind of knocked him back a little bit in the lineup and probably in Gallant's eyes. And he got back in for a long stretch, you know, in December and January, but I just, I think they felt like they needed to see a little bit more of him, you know, being a little bit more aggressive going to the net. Um, he plays a very perimeter style. Um, super you know a skilled player but but i don't know if as we get down to 
the trade deadline and the end of the season and obviously the playoffs, if that's the style that's going to succeed, especially on a team that's already got Artemi Panarin and some other super skilled guys who can thrive in this environment. So, um, you know, I think it's just sort of all of the different factors coming into play um, and, and him maybe realizing that there wasn't necessarily a future for him here uh, and that it might be better served if he could go somewhere else. That doesn't mean Chris Drury is going to give him away before March 3rd. Um, you know, he might, you never know, you get a rash of injuries to some guys in the top nine and suddenly he's back in there and they need him. So uh, we'll see where it goes. If they get a good offer, uh, I, I would guess they'd move on from him. But uh, until then, he's here, he's an extra, and we'll see where it goes. All right, and the earning it versus and not wanting something being handed to you. I, I mean, from my eyes, it doesn't – Kravtsov hasn't played poorly. It's – I from what you're saying, the Rangers just expect a lot more out of him at this point in his, his, uh, his career is 23. He's played in the KHL, which is a lot more competitive, I'd say, than than like the AHL. Like that's a that's a tough league, and he he had been playing there for for quite a while. You go back to the you know the year he was drafted, the year after he was drafted, last season too. He was playing with Tractor. Uh, is it like uh he's not? It, it's not like Gallant picking favorites, right? Like over like Lecision over Kravtsov. It's just. It's it, he's being genuine by saying like Kravtsov is not a fourth line player because I've yeah. seen some fans speculate like oh he doesn't actually mean that he just doesn't like Kravtsov. I don't think that, but what do you think? I mean, every coach in the NHL has designated roles for their players, especially the guys that are kind of on the fringe of the of the lineup. And you know, you need your fourth line to be able to not only just be guys that can do well playing seven or eight or ten shifts a night. Um, you know, Jake Lecision is a center. He takes face-offs. He gets out there on the penalty kill from time to time. He's certainly not a not been a productive player, and I don't think that they're going to just keep him in the lineup. I would imagine that if there's any more trades coming, uh, it'll be to probably replace him as a you know and find a fourth line center or a more veteran you know physical fourth liner um, before March third. But that's just not a role that Kravtsov works well in. He's been on the fourth line a couple of games this year, and it's not a punishment when he doesn't get many shifts. That's just the way the fourth line works. And, uh, you know, you have to be able to do as much as you can or just, you know, have the have as much of an impact as you can playing only seven or eight minutes a night. You see guys like Julian Gauthier. It's taken him a couple of years to, to kind of accept that role, and he seems to be doing well with it this year. Um, but not everybody is built for that, and certainly not a 23-year-old guy who's – a top 10 pick who's had some flashes of real skill and, and, and creativity and just doesn't have the the strength to be able to match up against another fourth line or just sort of tie up a, a 30 second shift in the corners or, or have an impact without really getting any scoring chances, which is not something you all, you expect from, from the Rangers fourth line. So uh, yeah, it's not, it's not Jake Lecision is in because they like him more than Vitaly Kravtsov. It's they play different positions. They have different roles and there's different, you know, they have different, you know, needs that they fill. So, um, you know, I think with Kravtsov, it's, it, he really had to come out of the gate and show that he could stick in that spot. And he didn't. And, you know, now uh, that right side has always been, has been the last couple of years a place of need for the Rangers. And they would have loved to have him stay there, but it didn't work out. They got Vladimir Tarasenko, who's a bit more accomplished uh, scorer and, and player in the NHL on, on the right side. So, that kind of reorders things. And even at that, there was still an opportunity for, for Kravtsov. And you saw the first game that Tarasenko played, he got in and started on the second line and 
um, you know, I don't think they saw enough and it's, it's certainly a quick hook and, and you can feel like it's been unfair and they haven't given him enough of a shot, but, um, you know, it, when, when Gerard Gallant says it's not a developmental league, it's a results league. Uh, you know, I think that that rubs people the wrong way and we can debate development, uh, at the NHL level all day, I'm sure. And, and talk about 19 different ways to discuss it. Um, but the bottom line is the Rangers right now are a team that needs to win. They need to get in the playoffs. They need to succeed in the playoffs after what they did last year, after the previous few years. And if you're not going to be part of the solution, uh, which they don't feel Kravtsov is, you're not going to play. And especially this time of year when you're when they have the space to add uh, and beef up their forward group. I think they'd love to have him going forward, but um, but if he doesn't want to be here, I don't I don't know that you're going to want. Uh, an unhappy guy. And I think everybody in the organization and on Kraft's outside his agent, they know what the history is. So uh, it probably at this point is, is best uh, to see him move on and see what they can get for him. See, it's also interesting because the Rangers, like you said, it's a results league and they, for the past like two, three months, they've been getting results since December 5th, 20 of their last 27 games. They've been playing well as a team. It, it's just unfortunate that, you know, one of their their players on their roster that has a lot of potential is not living up to it. Um, but, but my last question on Kravtsov before we move on is uh, uh, we were talking you were talking about, you know, maybe moving on from him, jury making a trade. Uh, can you say with certainty that he'll be traded before the start of next season? No, <laughs> you know, I think you have to find a fit. You, you see the way that Chris Jury has operated with the guys who have wanted out uh, in the past, you know, Nils Lundqvist didn't want to be here. Different circumstance. I don't think they were unhappy with him and how he played. I think they just felt that he needed more time and there was not a lot of room on the right side. And certainly he saw that there wasn't a lot of room on the right side uh, to grow with this organization. Uh, and it wasn't just a matter of we're going to give this guy away and move on. They, they got a first round pick, uh, a first round pick that helped them get Vladimir Tarasenko. So, um, you know, I don't think I think Jury's track record as GM is kind of is is not long, but I think he understands that when you have a situation like this with a first round pick, a guy who's got talent who may be wanted by some other teams, I think this is a different situation. Lundqvist, you know, played well enough in his NHL time, I think, and he's a defenseman and still young that a lot of teams were interested. Kravtsov may be a different story, but um, but I don't think you just give him away for the first person that the first team that offers a fourth round pick. Um, and I don't think that's the way Chris Jury operates. So if they don't get what they want before the deadline. He'll be here. And uh, in the summer, you never know what can happen. They have a lot of contracts that they need to sign. They have a they don't have a ton of cap space with the cap only going up by a million dollars or so. So who knows? Uh, it may just be, you know, the, these relationships uh, kind of wax and wane. You, it's at a low point right now. And Kravsa wants to go somewhere else. But the Rangers have been here before with this guy. Uh, and he's still here. So you can't say for sure he's going to go. Um, you know, he's, he's going to be a restricted free agent at the end of the year. So he could conceivably, you know, leave the NHL and go to Russia. The Rangers still have his rights. But uh, if he wants to stay, he's kind of at the mercy of the Rangers to, to find the best deal to, to send him out. And I don't think it's just going to be an automatic. Yeah, and uh, moving on to current, the uh, other roster positional needs that the Rangers have, possibly a fourth liner, or bottom six forward. I know, Jury uh, was kind of hinting at that in the press conference when Tarasenko got traded to the Rangers. But do you think Chris Jury is going to make another trade before before the deadline, whether that be for like a Nick Bukestad or a Tyler Mott, one of those fourth line type players? 
I do. I do. I think, uh, you know, I think they, they see that there's a need. We were talking about Jake LeCision. He's, you know, he's been okay, I guess. Uh, he, he does fill that fourth center spot well enough. He does win some face-offs and he does kill some penalties. Um, but I think they feel like they could upgrade there. And, um, and I think it's mostly about putting guys in the right spots. You know, Barkley Goodrow has essentially been the fourth line center. I, I don't know, LeCision, Goodrow, they kind of switch back and forth, but I, think it's it's pretty clear that they would prefer Goodrow to start a game on the wing rather than be the center you know he's he's not he's not a consistent face-off taker he doesn't takes him when he needs to um but I think his flexibility where you know he starts a game on the fourth line he could move up to the second line he could move up to the first line Gallant loves that versatility with him um so I think if you lock him in as the as the number four center for a game he's kind of got to be there if you're going to put that fourth line out there um so I'd imagine that uh, they'd prefer to have someone who's got a little more experience as purely a center. And there's certainly some guys like that out there. You named, you said Nick Bukestad. He's certainly an option. I think Noel Achari in St. Louis is an option. Um, you know, there's uh, <clears throat> there, there's definitely some people available. Tyler Mott is one. He doesn't really play. He's not really a center. He's more of a wing. And, and uh, you know, I think he was a guy that they liked a lot in the offseason and wanted to bring back. But the money situation just wasn't going to work out. They were really looking for guys closer to league minimum deals. And he signed for 1.35 with Ottawa, um, which is, a, you know, not a crazy number. But when you're talking about you're getting down to like uh, – thousands of dollars being under the cap you have to count every penny so uh he certainly could be on their radar and uh you know we'll have to see i think uh i think there's going to be enough guys available and enough teams interested you know will everybody find a match rangers you know if they can if they can find one of these guys uh like they did for almost everybody except andrew cop last year third and fourth round picks uh that they gave up for some of those guys for mott for Frank Vetrano for Justin Braun, if they can do that again and, and just beef up their forward group. But certainly, you know, I think all you need to do is look at that first game of the playoffs last year when Barkley Goodrow suffered a broken ankle, a block and a shot and, and missed, you know, the rest of that series and how crucial that was. Uh, you can't have enough depth going into the playoffs, especially if you plan on having a long stay. Yeah. And there's a little over two weeks before the deadline, March 3rd. So, um, there's plenty of time, I'd say, for for Drury to make another move. Maybe, maybe even two if he has to, if, in case there's injuries, because you never know at this time of the year. Like you said, you can't have too much depth. But uh, you were mentioning Goudreau on the the fourth line, and for most of the season, a lot of the season, probably not most of the season, but a good portion of the season, he was playing in the top six on uh, with with guys like Zabanajad and the, the Criders, the Panarins of the world, and Trocheck. Um, but now that he's back on the the fourth line, now how set in stone is 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 that is that kind of move for for Gallant? Is does he like does he prefer to have Goudreau on the fourth line or Invisi up in the top six or or what, what would you say on that? I think everything's just subject to change. You know, um, <laughs> it, it it's funny. You know, Ranger fans justifiably pay attention only to the Rangers. And, uh, you know, as someone I've, you know, recently covered a different team the last few years and try to see what's going on around the league. Cause we have such a big network at the athletic of people that cover teams. Lines don't stay together. You know, the, the perfection line in Boston might be the only one. And they didn't even start this season with those guys together because of injury. So, um, this idea that all the lines stay together all the time and, 
Galan is too quick a hook. It's uh, it's just an kind of an, an antiquated thought process. And I don't even know if it was that way 10 or 15 or 20 years ago. Maybe it was because the disparity in skill between your first line and your fourth line or your third line was so great. And the Rangers third line right now essentially is the kid line, which has been one of their best lines. And, uh, you know, I think that if you're talking about a line that's going to stay together, that's probably the one that's most likely to, because those guys are always better together than they are separately on other lines. So maybe that's the one line that you kind of pivot around and everybody else is pretty much up for grabs. You obviously, you know, where Mika Zibanejad is going to be, you know, where, Vincent Trocek is going to be Panarin, Kreider, maybe not even Kreider, but there's guys that that just move around. And I think Goodrow is one of those guys that even if he starts where he starts during a game, you're pretty sure he's going to get his 12 or 13 or 14 or maybe more minutes because he's one of the first guys out there to kill penalties. Um, he's the first guy that you're going to pull off that fourth line if somebody's having a bad game or if somebody gets hurt. Uh, so I think Gallant reiterated it the other day. He said he's a, you know, he's on the fourth line, but he's not a fourth liner to me. And uh, I'm sure he feels the same way about Jimmy VC with the way he's played this year. Uh, you know, <clears throat> so I think we get a little hung up sometimes on numbering these lines, saying you know the kid lines, the third line. You just have to look at the the, the minutes they play at the end of the night and see who was going well, who which line at five on five was most important. Sometimes the five on five lines don't mean anything because they're not good five on five and they still win a game because their power play is so good or, you know, Shisterkin stands on his head. So each game is a little is a little different environment. And uh, what happens in a game doesn't necessarily carry over. You kind of saw uh, that on Saturday, everyone was getting excited about Panarin and Tarasenko playing together. And they were they weren't good on that line in Carolina. So Kreider and Panarin switch. Panarin goes off and now. It's Panarin and Tro, you know, Panarin and Trocek are together when we thought for most of the season that they weren't any good together. So uh, these things never, never really stay the same for very long on any team, even the good teams. So um, it's, uh, I, I think with Goodrow or with VC on that fourth line, there's, there's certainly guys. I don't think you're going to see Julian Gauthier move up. He's kind of fit his role well. If they were to go out and get uh, a fourth center, you know, an Achari, a Bukestad, whatever, that's probably your number four center because you do have center is pretty set but i think everybody else it's up for grabs and the, and the less everybody worries about who starts where and who finishes where the better probably yeah i was just gonna say glant might have struck gold by uh putting panarin back with trocek uh, the four <laughs> goals was uh was was quite by the, a surprise. by the time by the time we get to edmonton it could be could be back to a different way so there's no reason to, no reason to get get excited about it i guess that seems to be the ongoing joke between uh the media and uh, and gerard glant is you know I think it was, um, I forget what, what game it was, but he was saying, you know, I might change the lines by the time I get down the end of the hallway, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I don't know that he loves it uh, as a joke, but he definitely has, has the ability to laugh it off sometimes. So, yeah. It's that move, though, putting Panarin with Trocek, it kind of seemed like a, a matchup based uh, type move because Carolina had dominated that second period. And that's kind of, that's when he, he made that move, right? Yeah, you know, I think he tends to see he's not a big matchup guy. I think he tends to more look at see which of his lines is working or which of his guys are are going rather than this line is killing us. We need to get this guy away from them. It's not really been his style, um, I think, ever. And, you know, in any of his previous stops and certainly, you know, other than matching up defensemen against opposing lines, I don't think he cares which lines are out against which for the most part. Um, 
you know, unless you're facing a team that's got a very strict checking line, you know, if you see, if you see Jordan Stahl locking up Mika Zibanejad, then, then maybe you start to think about trying to get them away from that, but that's more playoff series type stuff rather than just one game. I think this was more a function of, you know, Kreider and Zibanejad hadn't been together for a while. Maybe that, you know, that was getting a little stale with Panarin and Zibanejad and Tarasenko trying to work in. And, you know, I think you'd rather have Kreider and Zibanejad, which is kind of your automatic pairing to make Tarasenko a little bit more comfortable, make sure he's in the right spots because he seemed a little lost at times in that second game. Uh, and then, you know, if that's your preference and you got to put Panarin with Trocek and hope for the best, they got the best this time for a period and a bit. And uh, we'll see how it goes uh, tonight. How how have the the vibes been in in that locker room since acquiring Tarasenko? I know that that uh, Hank and, and Steve Valquet on the MSG pre and post game were talking about you know when you make that move for a star player, you know it means a lot to the players because it's like the organization kind of believes in you. But what was the feeling like down there? I think it's excitement. You know, I think it's a it's like a lot of teams. It's a, it's a very tight knit group with all of the young guys and the, and the few veterans that uh, you know been together for a while. Um, but yeah, it is it is it does feel like a reward for playing well. You'd think about where they were, uh, you know, two months ago in that game against St. Louis, going into the third period. If they lose that game, who knows what happens with this team? You know, might have a different coach right now. Might not see this great streak that they're on. Um, they could be thinking about selling rather than buying. If they were still kind of floating along, along around 500, they'd be way out of the playoffs scene right now. So, um, you know, you, you want to reward a run like they've had. And, uh, and I think winning always makes guys feel a lot looser and a little, a lot more comfortable. I think you see less stress from guys like Alexi Lafreniere, you know, who seemed like he you know, forgot how to play for stretches or just kind of floating along. And now he seems way more engaged. Um, you know, Philip Heedle, who's had some struggles uh, up and down and just the way that he's been playing the last couple months, really all season, but the last couple months, his confidence is sky high. It just, I think that makes the biggest difference. And then on top of it, you add in a, a big trade for a guy who everybody knows is a star in the league and Tarasenko and eager to kind of see what he's like up close and have him be part of the group and really, you know, I talked to to Tarasenko yesterday, and it's been a tough adjustment for him. I think he's happy that he doesn't have to be the the centerpiece of a team that's going so well. He's got Panarin, who he's known a long time, and some other guys that he just knows from playing against them. But he's the new guy. He's he's kind of on shaky ground. He's being a guy who's traded for the first time in his NHL career, so he's he's relying on the the chemistry and the confidence in that room to build him up as opposed to vice versa. And I think that's probably the most important thing that you see is that when a big star comes in, instead of everyone deferring to him, they say, you're part of our group now. You, you can do what we do and we'll, we'll all be successful. And I think that's helping everybody. Might be a little too early for this, but you know, I think the feeling amongst fans is that Tarasenko is more of a, of a rental. Um, is that what the Rangers plan is as well? If you, if you could make a guess. <laughs> Uh, I'd say so right now. You know, you, like I said, you never know what happens in the summer if they go on and win a Stanley Cup. Uh, maybe he says, "Okay, I'll take I'll take less money and figure out how to stay here because this they got a good thing going on here." Um, but I think the priority for the Rangers uh, when it comes to contracts is obviously you know Keandre Miller, it's Lafreniere, it's Philip Hedl, uh, and then you start to sort out what else you can do. Um, you know, Tarasenko's coming off a, a, a good contract. He's still pretty young at 31. 
Um, you got to kind of see what he wants to do. But uh, I think unless he's really willing to take a, a haircut on what he could get on the open market to stay, I, I can't really see it right now. Um, but they've got whatever, you know, six more, six more, eight more weeks of the regular season. And then uh, if you get, if you get the, get to go the whole way to the finals or, or even win it, um, that can change some guys' minds about what they want for the future. Maybe he feels like he's made enough money. I, I don't know too many players that feel that way, but, uh, but we'll see. Um, I think a lot has to, has to happen for him to be able to, to stay um, and maybe not all of it great where the Rangers might start to think a little bit differently about their group going forward. But, uh, but I think they're more focused on the now and, and wanting a guy who's a pending UFA to feel motivated to get that next contract by playing well when he's here. Uh, and on the note of, of, you know, moving forward, you know, thinking ahead, uh, you know, the Metropolitan Division for the entirety of the season has been the most, I'll say, it's the most competitive division in the NHL. It's, you know, you have, you have teams like New Jersey and Carolina and, and the Rangers, who are all spectacular teams, but they each of those those teams has a has a chance to make a big acquisition. I mean, you hear the Devils in talks for Timo Meyer. If they make a move like that, what is what would the feeling be in the Rangers locker room? You know, they have they're playing against the rival team and they get significantly better and they're already good. Is it going to be more of an even matchup now that the Rangers also have Tarasenko, or is it going to be an uphill battle? You know, I, I think they feel like they have Igor Shosturkin, which means they can beat anybody. And uh, you look at the way that they made it to the conference final last year through that very difficult division. Um, it's uh, it, I think they feel like, you know, Shosturkin was on a different level for most of last season, but he's been good enough uh, this year and they know what he can do. And he's already got his first playoff experience under his belt. So you, I, I think if you're, thinking about matchups, whether it's Jersey or Carolina, you think we've got the better goalie. So we feel good going in any, any situation like that. And Jersey is, is a pretty inexperienced team when it comes to the playoffs. Um, Carolina kind of seems to have that same flaw every year of a team that, that, that's kind of steamrolls the regular season, but do they have the horses to get all the way through the playoffs, especially in net? Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't see the Rangers. I'm sure they'd love for Timo Meyer to go somewhere else if they could. But it seems like those two teams are probably one and two right now. Maybe you throw Toronto in the mix for Meyer. They could surprise and come up with a package to get him. But uh, he's probably coming to the East no matter what. So if the Rangers are thinking about a run to the Stanley Cup, they might have to go through a team that gets Timo Meyer. So I don't think you get too hung up on, on the arms race that much. You just sort of feel like we made our move, our big move. We've got our guy. Uh, we'll feel good about it matching up with whoever we match up with. And, and dare I ask, I, I saw it, I think it was the TSN guys, maybe Chris Johnston was talking about it, I think yesterday, the other day, um, about the Rangers, you know, technically still being able to make a trade for like Kane or Meyer if they get a third team involved. That's not going to happen, is it? I mean, I guess they could get Patrick Kane if he desperately wants to come here and Chicago isn't asking for much. They just want to be done with the the Patrick Kane saga but uh you know I I think it it's become pretty clear and I've been writing it you know his his hip is not great there's there's definitely guys that know him around the league who say he's not in great he's not feeling great he's just kind of powering through because he wants to keep playing until he has to get surgery in the offseason um 
So it's not a great situation. And I think that was a factor in the Rangers choosing to go for Tarasenko rather than Kane, who, like you said, you know, the, all you had to do was see his the interview he gave the day after the Tarasenko trade, which I don't think I've ever seen that before. A player saying, gee, I, I really wanted to go there. Uh, that's too bad. Um, so, yeah, I think they could add him. But I think there's a, even, you know, even if you say, OK, we'll take a guy, even though he's 75 percent, because still 75 percent of Patrick Kane is pretty good. Um, we'll figure out the trade costs and the salary retention. You can get a third team involved and make it work cap wise. Where does this guy play now that they have Tarasenko? You know, it's not the, it's not the good old days of the early two thousands with the Rangers when they just, you know, added star after star and tried to figure out where to put him. Also that didn't work out that well, as I recall. Yeah. Um, but uh, so you put Patrick Kane in there, they're already trying to figure out where Tarasenko fits in the two power play units. Um, and then you add in another guy who's, who's got incredible skill, but does a lot of his best work on the power play. Um, you'd have to, you'd have to try to get 10 power plays a game to make these guys happy. So uh, I, I just don't know. We can talk about it. And obviously it's a place Patrick Kane wants to go, but, uh, but you know, just if you're a Ranger fan, you kind of look at your own team and say, you can st- step back and say, there's about nine reasons why this wouldn't work right now. And, and I think, uh, Chris Jury is no dummy. I think he knows that this was this was would have been great if they could make it work and the guy was healthy, but uh, they made their choice, and I think that's probably the big name acquisition that they're going to do. All right, and uh, last question for you: If you had to make a prediction, where where do you think where do you think Kane ends up going? Uh, I don't think he goes anywhere. You know, I think uh, I've heard that his destination preferences were the Rangers in Toronto. I can't see Toronto spending any assets to add him. They already have some pretty high end guys. So if, if his preferred choices are done, I don't know that he's going to throw the doors open to Dallas, which I know would love to take a shot at having him or, um, you know, Colorado, I think maybe is a place he'd like to go, but I'm not so sure that they need a player like that. So uh, my guess is he shuts it down, has a surgery, recovers, and then we can do it all again on July one and see where he ends up in free agency. Maybe the Rangers, uh, maybe if he really wants to come here, he'll, he'll be the guy that like that takes the big discount for a year or two and, and comes to play with his old buddy Panarin, and we'll see. And then uh, Chris Jury can make a, a gamble for it if he's got the cap space. That'll be interesting to see. Well, Arthur, thanks so much for joining me. Really appreciate it. You got it, Joey. Thanks a lot. This was fun. Hey, Rangers fans! Thank you so much for listening to the Ice Cold Takes podcast this week. Make sure you follow at Ice Cold Takes Pod on Twitter to stay up to date with the latest Rangers info. See you all next week. Time. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. I know.